Hey everybody, Happy New Year! It is New Year's Day on 2020. Gang, welcome to the new year. I'm glad to see you here. I'm glad we made it through 2019. That was a uh, roller coaster of a year, I tell you what. Gang, I am super excited. Right out of the box, we have got great stuff. I've actually been sitting on this episode for a while because I love it. This is a great episode. I think people are going to really, really like it. I hope you will really enjoy it. Um, it goes a little bit off the rail. It is. You can tell that we uh, were having a lot of fun when we made it, but it is a really good one, and I hope it'll make you laugh, and I hope it'll make you think, and I hope you'll get a lot out of it. So that is this episode. Guys, I am super fired up because next week, Stephanie Goss and I kick off our strategic planning course in Uncharted. Steph and I have a month-long course. It's us and a small group of people, and we cover strategic planning for the practice. Guys, if you're a practice owner or a practice manager or somebody who's running your own business or running your own personal brand, and you're tired of feeling like you don't have control of your business, join Uncharted. Get into this class. It starts next week. Do not mess around. We are going to cover everything from your vision, who you are, where you're going, what makes you different from your competitors. If you're a clinic, why should someone come to you instead of the three clinics closest to you? We help you figure that out and we get down into it. We talk about HR issues. We talk about managing employees. We talk about figuring out if you have the right people in the right places. We talk about training initiatives. We will touch on compensation. We do mile high uh, budgeting and finance of the practice. If you don't understand your practice finances uh, as well as you want to, we got you. It is a uh, it's a lecture that Stephanie Goss does, and then uh, office hours, and we get down into it with you. It is very much about your practice and what's going on there. If you love it, Steph's financial management course is a standalone five week course later on in the year that you can go into a deeper dive. But start off with this: get the mile high view. We talk about setting priorities, getting your team on board, getting stuff done. Intensive one month course. We do lectures one night. We do small group discussions on uh, on the weekends. But it is uh, it is fantastic. If you can't be there for all the sessions, that's okay. We still got you covered. Everything's recorded. You can watch on your own time or your own schedule. Strategic planning intensive course in the Uncharted community starts next week. Get in there. Get registered. And with that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me. And Stephanie, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger gods. <laughs> How's it going, Andy? Man, I'm in the doghouse. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm in the doghouse today. Apparently, last night, in my wife's dream, I left her in the forest, oh. and, she couldn't, and she couldn't see. It was very dark, and there were, there were cliffs everywhere. Okay. And when she found me, I made fun of her for getting lost, and so <laughs> I <laughs> I was forced to apologize. I'm like, I didn't do anything. I like she. Oh, I was so mad. So mad. She was so mad. She was so mad that <laughs> I took the dog outside so he could pee. It's like 30 degrees out there. Uh-huh. That this crazy woman that I'm married to uh, comes out of the shower with the body wash that I had bought. And she's like, did you buy this? Is this you know that I hate this kind. And I'm like, crazy woman. It's 30 <laughs> degrees out here. 
and you came out of the shower outside the house to, oh to, 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 to make me apologize for the body wash that, that I went to the grocery store and purchased. You're you know? a trouble, man. <laughs> oh, I know. And, and, like, and I, I looked at her and I said, is this about something else? And that did not make it better. It's, uh, I just want to go here and publicly say, oh my God. I, um, I need to say that I'm sorry to my wife for what I did and the way that I behaved in her dream. And I want you all to know that I've, um, I've really been reflecting on this a lot on how I can do better. And I want, yeah, I just, it, uh, your forgiveness and support as a community, uh, mm -hmm. during this trying imaginary time is really appreciated oh my god i can't <laughs> oh, thank you yeah i'm struggling and the, and, and the night the night before um i coughed and wheezed uh all night until allison literally kicked me out of the bedroom i lit i had an allergy attack to literally kick me out of the bedroom and is the problem the problem was that uh my dog had um he's a sock eater and I keep, he's insured. He is totally insured uh, he, <laughs> because he will not stop. And like, we are, we are good. We put up the socks. We put, uh -huh. I mean, I am vigilant, but he's, he's, he's hunting. He's a sock uh -huh. hunter. You know what I mean? It's not like there's socks everywhere. And he found one. It's like, oh, he looks and prowl and one mistake and the sock gets eaten. Oh and so God. he threw up some socks <laughs> and some it. other stuff in the office. And, uh, and Jamie Holmes, who, who works uh, out, of the, out of the home office here, um, she put down the, the carpet powder, you know, the carpet powder uh -huh. to protect the carpet. Uh -huh. And then she left it and she went home. And I, again, being a fantastic husband, um, I went and got the shop vac, which is down in the basement where the office is. And, uh, and I got it to vacuum up the stuff. And I didn't realize, because I wasn't paying attention, um, that that the shop vac was set to be a wet vac and not a dry vac. And so as I vacuumed, it was blowing all of, all of the powder and, and the carpet dirt and dust, blowing it out the back. And the whole, the whole office was coated in, uh, in dust oh and dirt. God. And I, I think I gave myself the black lung. And that's why I coughed and wheezed all night because I <laughs> gassed myself <laughs> with cleaning solution, which is probably not good. And my wife walked in and she, the, I, I had to put a, a HEPA filter in the office yesterday morning. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie came in and she walked right in and I said, is it dusty in there? And she came back out coughing and then she refused to work in the office. She went, uh, she, she went, and worked in the kitchen, oh or in the kitchen. Today. And so I had to clean the whole office, which took 25 times longer than vacuuming up the powder that all started. And so I'm still, all of that to say, I am probably going to hack and cough into the microphone today, and I'm sorry. And you have also very clearly irritated two of the most important women in your life. So your week is not starting off so good here, oh, buddy. No. I told you. <laughs> I mean, there's... There's really two women that uh, control my life. Let's be honest. They control my life. It's Jamie Holmes, my assistant, 
and Allison Rourke, my wife, and neither of them are happy with me today. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Well, um, your marital problems aside, I'm super (laughs) excited for what we have to talk about on the episode today. My favorite Um, things to talk about. Because this is something that uh, we have been talking about for quite some time because it comes up so often. Um, and there was a conversation recently within the Uncharted community um, where uh, someone was asking, one of, one of the veterinarians was asking uh, for feedback and for tips about how to handle hard conversations. And the way that it came about was she was saying that she was asking if there are other practice owners or other veterinarians out there who get really anxious and have extreme anxiety when they have to have a quote unquote, a talk with an employee. So something that's super difficult, not just a, Hey, I need your help with this thing The everyday back and forth, um, you know, between vets and their teams, but like something that is disciplinary or a serious topic of conversation, um, whether it's growth uh, related or not. But when you have to sit down and have a harder conversation, and she was saying that it was something that she really struggles with, that she is very conver- uh, conflict averse, but that she she actually was sharing with the group, like, it, how it fa- affects her physically. She was like, I get the, I get the sweats. I don't sleep the night before. I have a knot in my stomach all day leading up to sitting down and having the conversation. What kind of strategies do you have to build up my confidence and courage to face these kind of conversations and also to squash the anxiety and feel better about having these kind of conversations? And I think you and I were both excited, um, not that it was happening to this to this person and obviously wanted to participate in how to help uh, fix it. But, but um excited that it came up because you and I have talked about this before, because it's something we hear pretty much anytime you and I go, go to a conference, I feel like one or both of us get somebody who asks this kind of question about like, how do I have this hard conversation? Um, and, and there, it gets, it's getting asked for a reason because we have a lot of people, I think in veterinary medicine who are very, um, who are very introverted and a lot of people who uh, don't know how to handle conflict. And so they really struggle with how do I have these harder conversations and it comes up again and again. And so I think you and I thought that we could tackle that this week. Totally. Uh, I feel this problem very intensely. I do not like conflict. I am very good at conflict. Um, in resolving conflict, I, I am not necessarily great at the actual conflict, <laughs> but I resolving the conflict, I'm very good. If you want someone to fight and just do a lot of damage, that's not me. But if you want someone to de-escalate this quickly, it is totally is me. The reason it is me is because I hate conflict. And as a result, I have read and worked and practiced mm-hmm. on how to resolve it. And as you get better, people ask you to to be the one who speaks to the angry client, you know, and things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I think about this sometime. I, the thought of me having to call a client who's uh, either upset or I'm imagining they're going to be upset or I'm just going to give them bad news. The me preparing to make that phone call is always worse than me actually making that phone call. Yes. You know, 
And so I would just be, I would put it off. I'm like, oh, I don't want to call this person because I'm going to have bad news for them. And like, I hate that. So this is absolutely something I feel and I've wrestled with, but I've gotten pretty darn good at it. I think uh, just, just by figuring a couple things out. So <laughs> let's, let's dive into it. We're going to have, we'll just keep it to the management side, but just know yeah. that this totally works with any hard conversation, any of the conversations that you don't want to have. Uh, and by I mean, don't want to have, I either mean all the way from you have nervous sweats and you lose sleep to it just never seems to happen. Why? Because you don't really want to have this conversation. You know what I mean? Is the conversation you keep meaning to have, but just haven't quite just, gotten around to it. Uh huh. That's because you don't have the conversation. All right. So, so, so how do you have this conversation? Cause you're going to give this person some feedback and it's making you stressed out. Mm -hmm. The first thing that I always do again, headspace is always, I, I will say to a group of people, or I will say to the person who asked me, raise your hand if you wish that someone would give you honest feedback about how you're doing. Like, just do you wish that someone would give you honest feedback on how you're doing in your job? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. someone just would tell you that. And 98% of the hands go up. It's right. because we all, we honestly want to know how we're doing. Right. We want to know how things are. Is our boss happy with us? Like we would like to know that. Right. A hundred percent. And so what is kind? If you're going to have this conversation, what is the kindest thing? Is it not having the conversation or is right. it having the conversation? What would you want your boss to do? Would you want them to talk to you if there was a problem, if they right. were upset? Or would you want them to protect your feelings and not talk to you and have this underlying resentment or to have this feeling that, you know, you're acquiring strikes that you don't even know you're getting? Right. You know, like. Yeah. And I think that that puts it into a lot of perspective. You know what I mean? Is what is kind? Um, is it talking to them or is it not talking to them? And generally the kindest, nicest thing we can do, the thing that we would want our boss to do for us is to, is to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And so I go, okay, this is the nicest thing I can do for this person to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. And you got to get your head in, in the right space. The only way that you can really feel like it's uh, the nicest thing is if you got your happy afro on. So you got to have your sparkly happy <laughs> afro. So you you've got to when you have this conversation, just decide I'm going to be happy when I have this conversation. Mm -hmm. I am not. I'm not going to be stern. I think a lot of times we've seen these movies where the boss closes the door and we look sternly at the person and we try to make something impactful. Forget that crap. Just be nice. Be happy to talk to them. Decide that you like them, right? Um, assume good intent. Assume the person is trying their best. They want to do a good job. Just assume that that's true, right? Uh, think about how this person may be, have been set up to fail. May, what can, you know, what do they not know that they needed to know? Maybe we're making assumptions that they've been told things that they're not. I, how, how have they been set up to fail? What is my role? That's the R in Afro. What is my role? What is my responsibility? Mm -hmm. Right? The more things I can take responsibility for, the easier this talk is. It's a whole lot easier for me to say, hey, we have a problem at the front desk. And it's because we don't have good training protocols on how to ang handle angry clients. Mm -hmm. And then also, uh, we as a team have adopted some behaviors that are escalating the situation. Mm -hmm. And by me saying we don't have good training protocols, I am taking a lot of ownership here. 
Like that's on me. It's my it's my fault. We don't have we haven't we haven't role played on this. We haven't trained on this. And that is going to open that person up to hear to hear me. And the last thing is the outcome. What do I want to achieve here? Like what 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 do what do we want to do in this conversation? And if I have that clear idea, it's going to be a good conversation. So what is kind? It's it's talking to this person. It's what you would want to have happen. Right. Be happy. Assume that they're a good person. They're trying their best. Their intentions are good. Think about all the ways that maybe they they got set up to fail. You know what? I mean, think about all the ways that that you could have helped them and you didn't. Or you know what responsibility can you take here? And honestly, guys, if I had that stuff in my head, the conversation generally goes really well. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. I think the other thing that's important for me in terms of getting into the right headspace, whether I'm having a conversation um, with a member of my team or whether I'm having a conversation with an upset client, is to um, take a deep breath, like a really deep one, mm-hmm. and force myself to just kind of relax and then to put a smile on my face. And even if you're talking about something hard or difficult, there's a dramatic difference in the body mechanics when you have forced yourself to put a smile on your face versus not. And it is amazing how much calmer and more centered you will be if you take the two seconds to do those two things. It makes facing those conversations and for me being in the headspace to face those conversations exponentially easier. Totally. I mean, it's exactly what we train at the front desk. Answer the phone with Uh a smile on your face. That's not, that's not woo woo stuff. You know what I mean? That's not hippy dippy kumbaya stuff. Right. That's, that's science. You know, that people, Mm -hmm. people can tell and that smile means a lot. Mm -hmm. And so make sure you, you know, get the happy Afro, you know, put, put the smile on your face. Mm -hmm. The other things, you know, I start talking about the way that we're going to approach it, right? And this sort of helps put people at, at ease, okay? So there's there's three kinds of feedback. There is praise, you know, there that which is you do you um yesterday when Mrs. Jenkins came in, you did a wonderful job. Like I just want to tell you that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Excellent work. We should be doing a lot more praise. You know what I mean? Uh if the only feedback you give is negative, then then people are going to start associating your feedback with negativity. Right. So we should be mixing in. I mean, it's just like I always say, people are simple animals. I don't care how smart you are. You're a simple animal. Mm -hmm. And nobody's going to use an exclusively negative uh, feedback training program, Mm -hmm. right? Like you would never put your poor German shepherd through a negative only Mm -hmm. feedback training. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. Why why would we do that to a human being, you know, that we're trying to train? Why why would we do that? So, um, so, so, all right. So three kinds of feedback, praise. All right. The second is criticism. And what that is, is you made a mistake yesterday with Mrs. Jenkins. This is what you messed up with Mrs. Jenkins, right? This is how, this is when you said this to Mrs. Jenkins, this is what happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily bad, but, uh, but it's, it's critical. And the last form of, of feedback is developmental feedback, mm-hmm. which is, Hey, I want to help you grow to be um, the head CSR. Hey, I know that continuing to move up in our in our training program is important. Hey, I want to keep uh, grooming you because I think you have a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. 
And I want to see you advancing. And so one of the things that we need to work on for continued advancement is the way that we handle clients who are exhibiting a certain behavior. Let's take Mrs. Jenkins yesterday, for example. Yep. See what I mean? A hundred percent. There's three, there's three tenses of feedback. There's a past tense. Hey, you messed up yesterday, Mm -hmm. right? There's present. Hey, you're messing up right now. You're killing this balls. <laughs> you're totally screwing this up. And then there's the future, which is, hey, in the future, I want to make sure that we're doing these other things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look, only one of those tenses matters. And only one of those tenses makes any sense. The past is gone. Like what she did with Mrs. Jenkins yesterday, that's over. Right. And so let's, let's not, let's not criticize yesterday, which we can't do anything about. Cause what do we right. care about? Most of us don't care about, or we shouldn't care about, um, <laughs> reaping justice from yesterday. What right. we should care about is what it's making this not happen again in the future. That's right. the key to feedback. And when we get in trouble is when we start to be like, I'm going to make this person apologize. They need to realize that they failed yesterday. That's not helpful. Mm-hmm. That You know what I mean? And I totally understand it. And I'm not going to stand up here and act like I have not had my feelings hurt and wanted someone to apologize. I'm not saying that. But strategically speaking, all I care about is the future, guys. Mm-hmm. And so I am going to lean heavily on developmental feedback meaning feedback that's going to help this person grow, not Mm -hmm. feedback about, let me tell you how you screwed up yesterday. And then I'm also going to lean heavily on the future tense. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you this feedback to affect future behavior, not to magically correct the past or to even stop what we're doing right now. Obviously, if I walk in and you're doing something uh, bonkers, I'm going to give you present feedback. Right. Um, So, go ahead and continue, continue mopping with our surgical scrub in the future. No, I'm not. I'm going to be like, what are you doing? Let's right. stop this immediately. Let's right. 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 So that's it. So three types of feedback, three tenses of feedback. Mm-hmm. Get them in your okay. head. And so okay. happy Afro. Um, remember what is kind. Think about the types of feedback. Is it praise? Is it criticism? Or is it developmental feedback? Mm-hmm. Most people are really much more open to developmental feedback. And what tense am I speaking? Are we going to have a showdown about yesterday? Or are we not going to have a showdown, but we're going to talk productively about the future? Yep. I love it. Okay. That's so when, space for me. So when we're in the right headspace, how, how do we... Because I think the bulk of the questions that this uh, friend of ours was asking had to do with strategizing and how do you approach this so that you don't have the pit of anxiety in your stomach that you're not having, (laughs) you know, cold sweats when you go to sit down and have a conversation with someone. What is the strategy? Cool. All right. So, so there's a couple of things in strategy. There's questions that I, uh, there's a, I have a bunch of questions. Okay. So I'm going to lay down my questions that I, that I ask myself. And so okay. these are the ones that I use. So I'm, let me lay down. I have probably about 10 questions. I haven't really counted them out, but there, there's about 10 I run through in my mind. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, how, uh, what, what approach are we going to take? And that goes back to the types of feedback, right? Okay. 
past tense. How do I make this developmental feedback? How do I talk to this person about, about where they're going in the future? Like what, what approach am I going to take? Okay. okay. Um, what, where will I have this conversation? And that's really important, right? Mm-hmm. Where we have the conversation is really important. Are you grabbing this person? Um, are you calling them on the phone? Are you mm-hmm. grabbing them when you come in? Are you pulling them into your office and closing the door? Mm-hmm. Are you talking to them um, on the treatment room floor? Mm-hmm. Are you catching them? Uh, are, you know, are you sitting down with them at lunch? Probably a bad idea. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, are you taking them somewhere off site? Mm-hmm. And people think that that's wrong. And, and <laughs> why did that sound so wrong in my ears? Taking them off. It's like, are you taking them to another location <laughs> where? Where people will never find their body. That's oh, that's not what I'm saying. Oh my God! Can I can I tell you a story? So Please. so I have a manager friend um, who manages a, a clinic here in in my same area, and their clinic um, is t- a tiny. It's a tiny older building, and um, and she doesn't have an office. And so we were t- we were joking because I I made a comment about how I had to have a conversation with somebody the day prior and I had taken them into my quote unquote second office which is the X-ray room because if you want to have a private conversation on the first floor of our building the only place you can do it is in the X-ray room and so the, everybody jokingly calls that my second office now and she starts laughing and she goes <laughs> she goes so I don't actually have an office at all and I was like oh my gosh. I never thought about what that would be like, but there are lots of hospitals out there where managers don't have a, a space. They're just they're they just don't. And so she was saying, when they need a space, they actually have to go sit outside in her van, and her van, and have, and have oh. the private conversations. And she's like, the first time I said to somebody, "We need to go outside and sit in my van," she's like, "I felt so creepy." And like, and I just I was dying because I was just imagining like the panel van and you're getting into (laughs) you're getting into it and the FBI is going to disappear with your body but like seriously like you have to work with what you got and sometimes it's a matter of you do have to step outside you got to go for a walk you got to go sit on the picnic table outside the clinic because there are lots of clinics out there that don't have a physical private space and nothing is worse than needing to have a conversation with someone and choosing to have it on the floor where that is not the most appropriate place to have the conversation. Yeah. I don't think the van is that weird. I do that all the time. I just, uh, I don't even, not even parked at the clinic. I'll just pull up outside someone's house when they're walking their dog and, uh, <laughs> and jump out with a friend and we'll just grab them. Oh my God. We put them in the van and then we, and then we punch in, we punch them in the, we, we, we punch their time card so that they get paid for the meeting. And then we talk in the back of my <laughs> panel van. Uh, no, okay. So back on back on track. All right. So where where are you going to have this meeting, right? So I mean, just it's think important. about it. It's just it's just strategizing. And a lot of times we're like, I don't know. It depends on where I see them. And we end up having this conversation where you're like, I'm going to tell them this thing. Well, then they're going to tell you a thing, and they right. want to discuss the thing. And now right. you're standing in the treatment room having right. this back and forth conversation. You're like, this is not good. Right. But the big thing I want to say is have a plan. Where are yeah. you going to have this conversation? Is it going to be in your office? And remember, guys, there are taking someone to your office and closing the door. That's a powerful move to make. And a lot of times it is not the move that we want to make. It 
it sends a message to the employee. There's a lot of emotional triggers about getting called into the principal's office and having the door closed. Mm-hmm. Like that have been ingrained in us for a long time. Mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. going for a walk is not uh illegal. It's mm-hmm. not it, it is it is in the rule book. Mm-hmm. You can go for a walk. You can go outside and sit at the picnic table. You can yeah. you can um if it's uh like sometimes there'll be hard conversations with the doctors. Yes. Right. So say, so I used to work at three vet practice. So two associates and an owner, we went to lunch. Yeah. We would go out to lunch and we would sit together and we would eat and we would talk. Mm -hmm. And the feeling, the energy of being at a restaurant as opposed to being in the clinic, it's just different. People behave differently. Yep. You know, hundred percent. I miss my um, my practice in California was right downtown and we would go walk across the street and get frozen yogurt and just sit in the plaza and be able to talk. And there is such a difference between that kind of energy and you can have the exact same conversation. I had some of the hardest conversations that I've had in my veterinary career with someone outside of the practice, but it takes on a different feel when you remove that fear factor from them. And so I think from a manager perspective, that's a conditioning thing. And especially if you're in a practice where the management style has been um, or was top down kind of management, that's some work that you have to do as a practice owner, as a, as a practice leader, as a practice manager to to recondition the team to not think about the office as a scary negative place. And I, I, I do it the same way we do with our patients. What do we tell our patients when they're afraid of coming into the clinic? We tell them that they're going to come for happy visits. So, yeah. what, so what do I do with my team? They come for happy visits. I have, totally. candy, come, I have, have a happy, come have a happy visit in my panel van. Uh, <laughs> No, you jerk. But come come to my come to my office. I have special hidden candy and they always want to come get the good candy, which again sounds super creepy, but for real, you guys. Like you have to counter condition your team the same way we would our our patients when they're afraid of it. So if that has been the practice style and and I've been there. I've walked into practices where previously whether it was the hospital ownership or the practice management that the style was top down and you have to do some legwork to get your team to feel comfortable with that. That is not an overnight thing. That is very much a strategy thing about how are you going to do that? And that's a long-term play. And so if that is the culture in your practice in the short term, you need to be very smart and strategic about um, deciding where you tackle the conversations in, in the short term while you're working on that long-term strategy. Want some candy? Come, <laughs> come get in my van. Stop it! Oh my god, I'm I, never gonna. I'm never I picture, gonna I picture your head in the in the uh, in the storm grate. You know what I mean, where Pennywise is, and there's Stephanie God's <laughs> face going. You want some candy? Come down here. Oh my god, you. <laughs> we'll talk about fecal floats. They all float down here. I hate uh, you so much, but uh, you know what? I. Yeah. Uh, Somebody from Uncharted is gonna meme that now. <laughs> it's gonna oh, be fantastic. I wait to see Stephanie Goss's face in the sewer in the storm grate. Oh, um, okay, God. all right, back on track. Here we go. Um, so where will you have? You got to pull it together, Steph. We got we got a lot of cover here. She's silently shaking. <laughs> Deep cleansing breaths now. Okay, you got this. Reel it in. I'm okay. putting this. I'm I'm taking my own advice. I took a deep breath. 
She's I'm putting making a hand, smile on my face. Totally. She's <laughs> making hand gestures that you can't see on the podcast, and that's a good thing. Okay, so question number one: How do you choose? Oh, how do you? Oh, how do you choose? No, I'm I'm recapping for you. Oh yeah. How, do, how are we? How are we choosing our approach? Right, we're yep. happy afroing it. Happy then, afro, our tenses. Yep, all that stuff. Yep. yep. You're thinking about what? How? What are you gonna say? Right. Well, so okay, so um, happy afroing it. Right. How how am I gonna present myself? Like get my headspace right. You know what I mean? Um, it, it's this is the kindest thing. And then I think about where am I gonna have this conversation? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I have to think about what am I gonna say. And again, I have more questions to help me figure out what I'm going to say. So I'll run you okay. through this question. All right, okay. cool. Um, what do I have in common with this person, right? Mm -hmm. what, do we, what do we agree on or have in common? And so, for example, let's say, um, let, okay, so let's say that I'm going to talk to a doctor. We, I think we used this as an example um, a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the doctor that's doing these marathon dental cleanings. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they're taking forever. So I'm going to talk to this doctor and this is, this is a hard conversation, right? Yep. The first thing I'm going to say, so this is a great, that's a great example of me using this exercise. What do we have in common? What do we agree on? Well, we agree that good care is important. Mm -hmm. We agree that we want to do a good job. Mm -hmm. We agree that pain control is extremely important. Mm -hmm. We agree that, um, that keeping our pets healthy for their whole life is our top priority. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We agree that we want pet owners to get their money's worth and we want to provide a good value. Mm -hmm. We agree on all of those things. When I go and talk to this doctor, instead of me being like, hey, look, your dentals are taken forever. I'm going, by laying down what we agree on mm -hmm. and what we have in common first, I am building commonality. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? The truth is when we have a hard conversation with a person, that person and you, you agree on 95% of the things. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you do. You, when you mm -hmm. really zoom out, you agree on the vast majority of life. Mm -hmm. There's just this one little thing that you don't agree on. But if we don't lay down all the stuff that we do agree on, that one little thing feels like a massive chasm. Mm -hmm. I feel this way about, about politics in America now right? Is the truth is you, you, Americans want, we want a lot of the same. Everybody wants the same stuff for the most part, right? We want our kids to have opportunities. We mm -hmm. want to have clean drinking water. We want, uh, we want a fair society, you mm -hmm. know, like we, we all want these, these similar things. And you could get into, you know, you can get into everything. We agree on 89 to 95% of all the things that we want. And there's about 5% or 10% of the things that we don't agree on. I feel like American politics has become so divisive because we don't talk about all the things that we all agree that we want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because those things maybe aren't that interesting or they definitely don't make good television news so they don't get covered. Sure. You know what I mean? And yeah. so when you drop all the things that we agree on and only talk about the things that we don't agree on, it feels like this massive chasm that can never be bridged. Mm -hmm. Same thing with giving feedback to our employees in the clinic. If we don't recap all the things that they're doing right, that we appreciate, all the things that we both agree on, then the feedback I'm giving you seems massive. But when I lay down all the things that we're 100% in alignment on and then talk about the amount of time that pets are spending under anesthesia, that's just one little thing 
amongst all these other things that we agree on. And Mm -hmm. so the first question I ask myself is, what do we agree on? What do we have in common? And I just try to brainstorm. And then I expand that a little bit and say, what are our clinic core values and how do they apply here? You know, Mm -hmm. this is more the belief system, you know, um, are we acting with integrity? You know, are we, are we putting patient needs above all else? Can I ask a clarifying question? Are you, are you doing this? Are you doing this connecting and this, um, what it, what it, what do we agree on? Are you verbalizing that in the conversation or is this pre-work that you're doing for yourself before you sit down and have the conversation? This is pre-work that I'm doing for myself before I have the conversation, but when I have the conversation, I am laying all these things down. Okay. So, so, so the, what do we agree on or what do we have in common? That can be a great thing to help you get into a happy Afro. Right. You know, Okay. like that can totally help you get to that like place of, I like this person. I understand where they're coming from. We really do agree on a lot of things. So it can definitely help you get into your happy Afro, but I am going to lay this stuff down when I have the conversation, which is why I need to have pre-planned it first. You know, Mm -hmm. I need to have thought about all the things that we agree on so I can put them on the table. Same thing with the core values, right? So the core value for our practice is, um, let's say it's uh, health of the pet is a core value for us, like maximizing the health of the pet. Well, when I talk to this doctor about taking forever to do these dental cleanings, I'm going to talk about the amount of time under anesthesia. You know what I mean? And... I don't want to just sacrifice the quality of what they're doing in the mouth. At the same time, we've got to maximize the safety of the pet, which means we've got to get this, this anesthesia time down. Can we agree on that? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's me sort of bringing in core values and how they apply. I need to think about the person as an individual. And so the next question I'm going to ask myself is what motivates this person? And this is so important. And people don't ask about it or they don't, they don't ask themselves about it. They don't think about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there are employees that are in your practice that care about status. They want to be seen as a leader. They sure. want to be seen as someone who knows their stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Some, some of them are motivated by money. They want to make more money. Um, great. And there are some of them that, that are motivated by patient care. There are some of them that are motivated by, I mean, what, whatever, by, by praise, like public praise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to think about what motivates this person mm-hmm. so that I can, again, so that I can pull those levers when we have this conversation. If I'm talking to a doctor that cares only about patient care and I'm talking to her about earning more production, making more money, that, that's, you know what I mean? That's not, that's not helpful. That's not productive. It's not what motivates him. And now, you know what I mean? Now I'm pushing this thing. If I talk to someone who, um, who really cares about status and I'm, you know, talking to them about money again, not the same thing. A lot of times I go to the person who cares about status and say, Hey, you're a leader here. I need you to be setting a good example. I want you to show, you know, other people how we do these things. That is why getting this into a system and making it run efficiently is so important. You know what I mean? So that you can set the tone for our team and I'm relying on you to be a leader. That's me playing straight to what motivates that status driven person. You know, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So what, What's their, what's their motivation? What are their core values, right? So I talked about the clinic core values before. What does this person believe in? Do we, is this a justice person, a fairness person? Is this an integrity person? Is this a compassion person? Is this a teaching and learning person? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what do they, what, what is their core values? Who are they? And tailor the message to them. And so again, it's just taking that time of like, 
What, what does this person care about? Can I give them a reputation? And it was just like I said, you know, if I've got a status driven person or someone who one of their core values is, is leadership and being seen as a leader, I'm going to give them a reputation. I'm going to be like, Hey, you know, I want you to be someone that other people look up to here. I want you to lead the way. And now they're like, you know what? I'm totally the person who will lead the way. Great. Now let's talk about these dentistries. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about how we clean up, uh, how we get the clinic clean at the end of the day, you know? And so I'm very much thinking about what makes them tick and what they care about. And again, I'm not trying to manipulate this person. I'm not trying to mislead them. I don't, I don't want it to sound that way. I am trying to do what's best for uh, the patients and to, uh, and what's going to be best for this person. I'm trying to speak to them in a way that they will hear. A hundred percent. It's um, nonviolent communication. When I, when I first started um, learning about communication styles early in my career, um, I learned about nonviolent communication and one of the, um, the kind of the second steps is this idea to remember that communication is a two way street where both people care. And even if you don't agree, you both care about something, whether it's caring about each other, like you have a bonded relationship or you're caring about the same subject. Like if I'm talking to an upset client, we both care about their pet and the care that their pet is going to receive. So there is a commonality there about what they care about and communication happens on that street when somebody doesn't make the other person wrong. And so it's about remembering who they are and what your relationship is and sticking to that as you try and discuss what your needs are and what their needs are and how are you going to compromise and meet somewhere in the middle. Absolutely. I love it. Nonviolent communication as opposed to violent communication that happens in your van or in the storm drain oh under the street. God. Oh my Love God. You're- another, <laughs> another tool in the toolbox. I can't. Oh my God. You're this episode is like off the rails. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. So what's okay, their, cool. commu- so, yeah. What's sorry. Go ahead. You take it. You no, take no. It. What's their communication style? Yeah. Uh, you, you and I are disc people. Um, you, know, the, you and I are disc people. Yeah. Uh, we've got, uh, we have in Uncharted, we have our communication course that you and I teach. Uh, yep. We taught it with Kent Thornberry last year, yep. um, which is team communication. And we, and we do cover disc. Uh, that's coming up. I think we're going to do it in February, I think, February, March, something like that. No, but later this year. Don't later. listen to Andy. Don't listen to Andy about anything involving the calendar. Later in 2020. <laughs> it is on it is on the calendar in 2020. Stephanie and I will be running our, our team communication course. We do teach disc. We use that a lot. Um uh-huh. so so disc. Um if, if people a lot of a lot of people are like, I don't know disc. Don't worry. People have a style of communication. Yep. Right? The way that they communicate is generally how they like to be communicated to. Uh-huh. Right? They tend they tend to get that. And yeah. so if you have someone who's very direct with you, they want you to probably be direct with them. And mm-hmm. if you have someone who's very um who's very uh gregarious, they like to tell stories, they like to use a lot of examples, they would probably like to hear uh they'd like to hear a story. Um they would like they would like to hear they they, they would like examples. You know what I mean? That that sort mm-hmm. of same type of approach. It, you have people who um who just want to get things done. And you have people who they want a lot of details. They very much want to understand the nuance and the intricacies, the why. 
speak to them the way that they speak to you and they speak to the world. Like, what is their communication style? And the more you understand communication styles, the more of a ninja you can be here. Um, disk is not the only way. There's a million different mm-hmm. other systems. I like disk because I can read people pretty quickly with it. I can use it in the exam room. I do use mm-hmm. it in the exam room. Um, but that's just one style. But but what is their communication style? How are they going to hear what you're saying? And I think I think it goes back, especially for my doctors who struggle with communication with team members. They are often doctors that that actually really excel with communicating with clients in the exam room. And so when I'm working on coaching them specifically about how to have hard conversations, I will often ask them, well, how would you approach it in the exam room? And it usually comes down to them reading what what the client's communication style is and what do they want and need. And communicating with the team is no no different. Think about it like a client that is upset or concerned or has has questions and is challenging what's happening with their patient think about it in that same way and think about how would you approach that it's probably not um, necessarily in your natural (coughs) communication style you recognize that they need more or they need something different and so you flex to to meet them where they are and it's no different when you're communicating with the team absolutely the last uh the, well, two sort of two more questions that I have to sort of wrap this all up. This is a big one, a big check. Do I know what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and this is I, I don't, and maybe this should have been the first question, uh, but it's definitely in there. Generally, what happens is I I ask myself this question to remind myself that there's two sides to every story. Yeah, everyone's fighting a battle you don't know anything about, and so I do not. I do not want to have this presentation uh, 100% scripted. I uh, I went to the gym uh, last weekend, and, and my wife went. And we were there together, and we went for class. And in the class, uh, there was uh, they were doing these sort of group workouts. And the coach got there, and he's kind of this like football coach-style coach. And he's like, oh, we're going to do the thing and uh, make, make, make men out of you and put hair on your chest. And Allison was not impressed with that. Um, but then we did this sort of workout and then at the end he like, he, he like circled us up and gave us like this motivational speech about like how we had messed up the workout, but then how we had figured it out. And it was clear that he had written this speech the night before, you know Uh what I mean? Like this is Uh rehearsed, and it Uh did not match up with what had happened. You know what I mean? And, and so there were uh, there were half the people there were raising their hand like that's not what happened but we totally did that but you <laughs> saw me doing you came over and told me we were doing a good job with it. like and it, it, like this guy had a pre-programmed speech that did not match reality and people's heads exploded and they felt they felt not seen and just not heard and this is just a goofy workout class you know what i mean right. but uh, if pre-planning your speech will blow up in your face if you 100%. don't build in the flexibility of what happened and let the other person tell you, you know what I mean? Like, what is their side of the story? Just, Hey, walk me through the dentistries yesterday. Like, how did you think the day went? Uh, what, what happened? I know we had some patients here late. What happened? Walk me through it. And that, I think, I think for me, the most important piece of, of that, cause you're talking about listening for me, it has to be active listening, which is what you're talking about. Like don't script out, what you're going to say so that you don't actually listen to what 
they're telling you, you have to ask them what happened and get all of the information because you said it right. There are always two sides, at least to every story. And the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. And so if you think you have all the information, you probably don't. And you need to ask them what happened, but you have to, you cannot ask a question. And what happened is a question without the intention of actually listening to the answer. So I never ask a question in conversation where I don't then want to sit and listen to what they're actually telling me because otherwise you're just walking all over them. You have no interest in actually engaging with them and communicating with, with them. What you're trying to do is make what you want to have happen happen. And that is going to frustrate everybody in the long run. So you have to ask the question and then sit back and shut up and let them tell you. Yeah. And this is real too. So I think sometimes when I talk through this, I I know the format on today's podcast is a little bit weird, a little bit different from what we usually do. And you're hearing the reason right now. I have these questions and I use this question format because what I'm going to say is so dependent on what they tell me. Mm-hmm. Like it, I am going to listen to this person. I owe it to them. I respect them. You know, um, I am not scripting out what I'm going to say, which is why I think these conversations are so stressful because you cannot write a speech and get a copy editor to read it and then go in there, you know, and just say the thing you cannot do that. Right. Everything that I've laid out before this, it all still applies. Mm-hmm. What do you have in common? What do you mm-hmm. agree on? What are your core values for the practice? What is this person's core values? What motivates them? What do they care about? Can you give them a reputation? What's their communication mm-hmm. style? None of that changes, right? You are going to use all that information. You still need to ask them what happened. I love the, the saying that the two most powerful words in management are what happened. Um, and then you got to listen. And you will still use all of the things we laid out before. The, the feedback is is still the same as far as using developmental feedback, you know, uh, talking about the future and where we're going, all those sorts of things. But you have got to listen to them and say what happened and be open. So that's why we cannot script this any further than what I've laid down, mm-hmm. except for the last question, which again, and I put this last because you cannot write this in stone. But essentially, the last question is, what do you want to have happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you want the outcome to be? And you have to you have to figure out what you want to have happen and then hold it loosely in your hand. Mm-hmm. Because what they tell you and their side of the story, often it will change what needs to happen. You may go into this conversation saying, um, I am going to have this hard conversation with uh, Danielle because the the charts are not getting taken back and the pet owners are not getting pulled out of the waiting room and put into the exam rooms because mm-hmm. because she's the head technician and she's not doing it. And then mm-hmm. you talk to Danielle and what you realize is the front desk is not communicating in the, uh, you know, uh, to her, what's up front. And she would tell, she wants to put these people in, in the, ex- in the exam rooms, but she doesn't know because she's not getting this information. And so sa- now suddenly your motivational talk to Danielle about paying attention and being on the ball 
mm-hmm. is completely invalid because <laughs> you go, oh, I didn't realize that this system, this systematic thing was not happening. And mm-hmm. that's what I mean about what happened. And it's also what I mean about knowing what you think you want the outcome to be and holding it loosely. The other thing with outcome is you can have some broad outcomes that you do hold tightly. So I might go into this conversation with Danielle talking about getting people into the back. And my big thing is, guys, people cannot sit in the lobby, in the waiting room Mm -hmm. for as long as they're sitting now. That Mm -hmm. cannot That is an outcome that I can hold fiercely in my hand and say, this cannot happen. Guys, we cannot send home incorrect medications. That cannot happen. That is an outcome that is going to be achieved achieved come hell or high water. But that doesn't, you know what I mean? But I wouldn't go so far as to, here's what the person I'm meeting with is going to do. Because that's me not truly listening to them and they're not going to feel heard. Yep. I, I think you, I think you have to begin. I think you, you have to begin with the end in, in mind. And especially when I'm going to sit down and have a hard conversation with someone, especially if it involves something on a disciplinary level, I often go into it with things that ultimately have to hold true, regardless of what it happened and what is said. Um, there are, there are non-negotiable truths or things that I need to move forward. And so I, I start there and that doesn't mean that you can't let go of some of those things. And so sometimes um, what they tell me will change what I then need to actually address or do. And so I might stop the conversation there and wrap it up with the, hey, I just need you to know that 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 one of our core values has to do with client satisfaction and we can't have clients waiting in the lobby. I'm really glad you shared this with me. I want to work on this with the team as a whole, because clearly this is a systems breakdown. Thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me today. We're going to, we're going to tackle this at the next team meeting or whatever. And your plan can, can change mid game there and you can move on. You've still delivered your, your end non-negotiables um, and then you figure out, okay, how am I going to approach this next? But I think it is really important to never forget the be open to listening part yeah. because you will need to think on your feet. But I also don't think that, especially if it's a hard conversation involving something disciplinary, which often gives, especially my introverts, all of the anxieties to think about, like, I have this person that I need to sit down and have a conversation about performance uh, related issues with. Think about what you want to say. And it's not wrong to lay those things out and practice them for yourself because the hard conversations are always going to be hard. And if you don't think about what you really need to say, it's more common to walk away from the conversation and, and feel either I didn't say anything that I needed to say or I don't know that I was heard. And usually the I don't know if I was heard has more to do with how you said what you said because you probably didn't say what you needed to say. <laughs> right. I completely agree. Examples of non-negotiables for me would be things like we cannot have dental patients under anesthesia for three hours. Mm -hmm. We cannot have surgery patients waking up at four in the afternoon when we close at six. We cannot have clients 
who get left in exam rooms after their appointment is over and they sit there for 45 minutes Mm -hmm. because we forgot them, Mm -hmm. you know, everything about that situation, about how we're getting pets out of here, you know, how we're getting them recovered, how we're all of that stuff I'm, I'm holding loosely and I am investigating to try to Mm -hmm. figure out. But the fact that we've had pets under anesthesia for that long, that is not acceptable and that's going to change. So mm-hmm. those are sort of examples of the things I hold tightly versus the things I don't. Mm-hmm. The The last part, I guess I would say, is again, a question for yourself. And this is the very last one is, do I need to render a verdict or plan today? And so I think what happens to a lot of people, why these conversations are so stressful is that they think they're going to meet with this employee. They're going to have this conversation. They are going to determine what has to happen and how it has to happen. And we're going to yep. say that to the person uh, yep. today. And you know, and I better be right and blah, 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 blah. And that is just ratcheting up the pressure for no good reason. Mm-hmm. You know, if I talk to you and I say, Stephanie, let's talk. And we talk about this thing and I say, what happened? And you tell me to go, oh, I didn't know that was happening. Okay, blah, 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 blah. I don't need to end this meeting by saying, here's what I want from you. I can end this meeting by saying, thank you so much for talking with me. I learned a lot. I need to process this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, or, or I need to, uh, I want to keep thinking about this or I'm going to keep working on this. I need to and marinate then, on this. I need to marinate on this. Yeah, I say that a lot. Um <laughs> I need to marinate on this. Like a fine <laughs> that's, meat. In that's Italian what I say. My team is probably laughing right now because that that's a regular occurrence for me when I have a meeting with someone and I get that information that that is it. Like I do need time to kind of think about things. And that is a ninja level skill as a manager or practice owner. Realize that realize that. Hear what Andy is saying because it is so important. You don't have to solve the problem, fix the problem, render the verdict right then and there. It is absolutely okay. And probably a lot of the time you should walk away from the conversation, especially if it's emotional or heated. Yeah. Um, walk away from the conversation and come back to it. I have I have told team members like I have been in conversations where it has gotten heated and I have um, you know, someone who is who is angry or I feel myself getting angry or frustrated or upset where I have said I need to I need to stop here. I I want to finish this conversation. I want to come back to this, but I think we both need a break. I think we both need some time to process and kind of think about everything we've talked about today. Let, and the the most important part is you have to set a plan for when you're going to come back and have the follow-up conversation. Right. Whether that's okay, you've given me a a lot to think about. I see some systems related stuff that I really think we probably should talk about with the whole team. Let's plan at the next team meeting in two weeks, in a month, whatever, that we're going to talk about this or, Hey, we need a, we need a break. Cause I think we're both frustrated right now. Let's, let's sit back down tomorrow and pick up, pick up here. And I want us both to take some time to kind of think about things and come back at this with some fresh perspective. Don't, don't just walk away without a plan being put in place for when you're going to come back to it, but know that it is absolutely okay to put a pin in something and come back to it. Going into a meeting like this with the idea that you are going to gather information, persuade the person on your point of view, give them an action plan and have them leave in a good headspace all in one meeting is a wild high wire act 
that very, very, very few people can pull off, especially pull off consistently. Right. So, so why do that? Just don't just, just talk to them. Just get your head straight, go talk to them, hear them process and go away and then come back at the end of the week or the next day. Mm-hmm. Most of these things do not need to get fixed today. They really don't. You will make better decisions if you have time to think on this, sleep on this, let your emotions come back down, bounce it off of other people. I don't know if you maybe had a super positive, supportive online community that was there for you and would always answer your questions and give you great advice uh, on building a wonderful culture and handling these things. I don't know where you would find something like that. I, I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine that. I, that there, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I know. If only there was, uh, uh, like a place, like a location, like unchartedvet.com <laughs> where I could go and get signed up for that online community. That would be amazing. Uh, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe I have that thing. I, who, who knows? Uh, maybe I am super lucky and I am an uncharted member, but you don't have to do all those things at one sitting Get that information, go away, process, meditate, think about this, and come back. And honestly, you're going to come in at a better place. You're going to have a better plan. The other person is going to have some time to process as well. They're going to get used to the idea that you're working on this thing. They don't feel blindsided and blasted and given a bunch of feedback. And, you know, we, we spread everything out for them. And it's just a healthier way to get these things done. So that's my best advice. Those are the questions that I, honest to God, use myself to get my head in the right spot to have this hard conversation. And when I run through this process, it tends to go pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I think the only other thing that I would add to that, because I have a, a very similar um, process and, and uh, maybe we can share um, in the blog some of the steps that you and I both walk through because they are really, really similar. But um, I think... I think the reason that a lot of us, whether we're a manager or practice owner, but particularly for my, for my veterinarians, bless your hearts. I love you all. A lot of the time when you're going to have these hard conversations, the reason that you're having such anxieties about these conversations is because there is some part of you that recognizes that you're about to blindside someone with something because you haven't told them you haven't done the in the moment. Hey, this is not going so great. Can we fix this? You haven't had those small conversations along the way. So now all of a sudden you are about to take the big, massive, abominable snowman sized snowball and drop it down the hill. And there's some part of you that recognizes that you're about to blindside them. And so one of my core fundamental beliefs for myself is that I am not doing my job as a manager, as a leader, as a practice owner, if I blindside an employee when it comes to discipline, if I have to put someone on a disciplinary plan, if I have to have a write-up conversation, if I have to fire someone, I haven't done my job if they don't see that coming. And I think that's why a lot of us get the anxieties when it comes to having these conversations, because there is a piece of us that recognizes that we haven't done our job there. And so I think when the only way to make that easier, and it's a really hard thing to do, but is to own that and say, hey, I recognize now that we probably should have had multiple conversations before we got to this point. But the reality is we're at this point and it's a point of non-negotiable for me. And this is what I need to do to move forward. 
that that's okay, but you have to own that piece of it because that is so often when I talk to, when I talk to particularly my vets, like that's what they're struggling with is knowing that they probably should have had a conversation, you know, six months ago, multiple conversations over the last six months. But now they're like, now I have to do something about it. And they know that that, that probably isn't the case. And so owning that with your, with your team goes a long way towards them understanding and still being able to connect back to your relationship and acknowledge that that we're human and we all make mistakes and here's how I've screwed up here's how I failed you and here's what I want to do moving forward to try and solve that problem yeah well um why don't you go grab your candy I'll pull the panel van around and we'll go practice (laughs) sounds great all right guys take it easy have a wonderful week we'll see you later bye guys Guys, that is what we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We sure enjoyed making it really fun times. Gang, if you have any questions, if there's things that you would like Stephanie and I to tackle for you, shoot us an email. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. Give us enough background so that we can do good work and really get into the details, and uh, we'll see what we can do for you. Guys, take it easy. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, it would mean the world to me and to Stephanie if you could write us an honest review on iTunes. That's how people find us. It uh, it shows the world that uh, we actually have people who listen. It's not just Steph's mom, Patty, and my wife, Allison, uh, listening at home. Thanks so much for all that you do. Have a fan, 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 flippantastic 2020. See you soon. Bye.